This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Today we're celebrating, uh, celebrating love. We are wrapping up the uh, six weeks, 40 days of love that we did beginning in Oct- October and went all the way through uh, Thanksgiving week. And uh, actually, our last Sunday in the six was, was two Sundays ago. But today, we didn't want to sell, do the, this last recap of it all last, Thursday, last Sunday because a lot of you were out of town for Thanksgiving. And we said, no, we want to wait till everybody's back, and uh, we don't want to exclude anybody from that. And we want to talk about it. Uh, for six weeks, for 40 days, we immersed ourselves in the love chapter of the Bible, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and also in the example and teachings of the ultimate model of God's love, whoever lived on this earth, and that was Jesus. As we read through the the relationship principles of Jesus, a book about what Jesus said and did about loving one another and loving God with all our hearts and all our souls, all our minds, all our strength. And a focus like that that we just completed is a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing that happens when the whole church pulls together and says we're all on the same page, we're all studying the same thing, we're all memorizing the same scripture, our groups are all discussing and learning together about these different things. It brought many of you uh, who are part of Nagshead Church and attenders at Nagshead Church, it caused a lot of you, many that uh, we have more people in connection groups than we ever have before, and a lot of you got involved in a connection group for the very first time. Connection groups are our small groups. A lot of churches do Sunday schools and a lot of churches do small groups. We do small groups and connection groups are really how we do church at Nags Head Church. It's how we stay in touch with each other. It's how we build relationships, how we care for one another, how we pray with one another and for one another in our groups and how we have fellowship together. So it really is the church in a microcosm and it is so absolutely necessary for your spiritual growth, for your discipleship, for you to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ at Nags Head Church to get involved in a connection group. And so many of you did for the very first time. In fact, I had several people come up to me and say, you know, Rick, this was my first time ever in my life being in a small group, and I really, really enjoyed it. Our groups are doing projects together for others right now, and maybe your group has already done their project. Some of your groups are doing the project next week with a room at the end, and you're going to be involved in that and doing different things, and we're going to hear about some of those things, but a lot of different projects to say to others in our church, and especially others outside of our church, hey, you know what? We love you. We care about you. Yesterday, uh, a lot of you did that for, uh, for the residents at Brithaven. I heard that there was a huge turnout yesterday, and, and a lot of folks that have never done it before came out yesterday afternoon to Brithaven, and we do this every December, singing Christmas carols, going around through Brithaven, singing Christmas carols, giving the residents cards, giving them a flower, wishing them a Merry Christmas, and uh, helping some, very, some of them are very lonely people uh, have that attention that says, I love you. 40 Days of Love got us reading together in a daily devotional all together, and that's a new habit for some of us, and you found yourself looking forward every day. I heard somebody tell me yesterday, he says, you know what you said when we first started this thing? And you said, some of you have never read a book from cover to cover, you know, since your last Archie's comic book, you know, and, and, uh, and he said, and he said, it was true with me. One of the guys in our group yesterday said, he said, it was for the first time that I can ever remember, I read a book totally all the way through. And we had 40 chapters in the book and read a devotional 
every day, uh, and, and, and you learned new lessons. You're excited every day to open up and see what Jesus had to say about love and how it applied in our lives. Most of us found ourselves beginning to really look for opportunities to love people around us. Day by day, our our eyes began open to the fact that every day all around me are people that maybe I pass by, maybe I say hello to, maybe I work beside, maybe I drop my, my kids off at school and wave at them. People who have a real deficit of love in their lives that God wants to use me to do something to, to reach them for Jesus Christ, to love them like he would. And, and you'll look for those opportunities to love people, even strangers. And, and because we, we were, during this 40 days, we really were awakened to the call of God in every Christian's life to love other people as Christ loves us. Some of us even found it was amazing that some of you shared and said what we found was as we did this and maybe you did the devotions together as spouses, husband and wife, you found that the 40 days of love also made your marriages and made your parenting, made your, made your, uh, your, your marriage stronger. And uh, some of you shared that with us. And some of us, and this was kind of, for a lot of people, this was the thing that really impacted your life during 40 days because some of you discovered that God was sufficient. God has within himself enough grace that he can share with us, that we can take within our lives and we can give back to others. And some of you found the grace to forgive some people in your lives who have hurt you, who have wronged you, who have offended you. And, and you learned what forgiveness is and you learned what forgiveness is not. Some people had some real misconceptions about what forgiveness is all about. You learn what it is, you learn what it's not, and by discovering that from the Word of God, you found out that you were set free, maybe from something that you carried, buried within your heart for a long time. And that freedom is an amazing thing. Parents have told me uh, how they are more aware of how they handle anger in their lives, especially with their children. Uh, one fellow shared in our group yesterday how at his place of work, and, and he's, he's in a supervisory capacity in his job, and he said, he said, I've learned during these 40 days how to treat people a little bit kinder with a little bit more grace, and, and it's amazing how they respond back in return. When I show them love, when I show them I care about you and, uh, and react uh, in, a, in a, not only just a positive way, but in a Christ-like way in their lives, he said, it's making a difference in my job. Uh, many of you saw real life change happen in these last six weeks of 40 days of love. You know, uh, others of us, because of 40 days, you're going to be providing hot meals. And as we talked about, a safe place for the homeless in our community uh, next week right here at Nags Head Church. And, and, and as was already shared, there are some opportunities still to serve in that ministry with meals and chaperones. And uh, if that's something you can do or like to participate in, Put it in a communication card and drop drop it in the basket for us this morning. And also, we do need some bath towels uh, so our guests can shower. So if you've got any extra towels at home you can give away, uh, bring them to us. Uh, So many of you gave support last weekend to Tommy Drake's family. Um, And it's it's neat how God brings all this together, isn't it? We go through 40 days of love, and here's some really awesome, awesome, amazing opportunities put before us to really show some love to people who need it. And, and with your hugs and your words and your hospitality, your food, your gifts, your presence, you love that family that lost a, a husband and a dad. Um, maybe during 40 days of love, you uh, walked into the lobby and signed up to be an organ donor. Uh, or maybe you brought a food offering or gave a turkey for a family in need. 
Uh, And now many of us are taking on the Advent conspiracy and making sure that Christmas is a time for sacrificial loving and giving more than the time for spending money and receiving. Those are just the things, some of the things that I've been made aware of that are happening with Nags Head Church. So like a song said, generation or go or so, love is in the air. And, uh, and it's a good thing. And we asked uh, some of you to share. And thank you for those of you who did share what we learned from 40 Days. Last Sunday, um, we talked about making sure the ball doesn't stop rolling uh, when the 40 days are done. Actually, two Sundays ago. He said, don't let the ball stop rolling. 40 days are done. The six weeks are over. We've read the books. And maybe some of you, and I'm not going to ask, but some of you maybe said, I'm going to start reading the book over again. I know people did that before with us. And uh, read it through again. But our purpose during 40 days was to see us take what we've learned during those six weeks and what we learned from the Scripture, what we learned from Jesus and from His Word, what we learned from one another as we shared what was going on in our own lives and the habits that we formed, and take those things and continue to, to allow the love of God uh, to grow in our hearts and to love Him with all of our hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves and to watch that love grow. It doesn't stop when the day 40 ends. Look at what Jesus had to say to His disciples as he shared the Last Supper with them. In John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14, Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. In other words, don't walk away from it. Don't let it end. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. Don't you think it's kind of sad that Jesus had to tell us that we had to do that? You know, I'm just reading that. I'm thinking, man, I, I know so many times he was frustrated with his disciples like he is with me. I command you to do this. And here's how to measure it. How do you measure that love? The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends, he said, if you obey me. Remain in this love, he said to them. Don't leave this love I've shown you. He knew, because Jesus knows all things, but he knew that the world would pressure his disciples, his followers, to do just that. In fact, that very night, Peter would experience that pressure firsthand, didn't he? And he failed the test when three times... He denied Christ. The world will constantly, here's what you need to remember, the world will constantly be competing for my love for God. The world is always going to hold something out in front of me and say, yeah, but you could love this instead. You could love him or love her or love them instead. You can love them it more than you love God. The world's going to be constantly competing for that love. Something or someone will always be there who either wants your love, wants your devotion, or needs it, and will demand from you what should be in your life reserved for God and God alone. And what's that? First place in your heart. And if we're not aware of that, and many of you are baby Christians, young believers, 
If you're not aware of that, you're not careful of that temptation, what you'll find is you'll find yourself loving someone other than God more than you love God. And when we do that, when we love another person, it could be my wife, it could be my kids, it could be somebody in your life, when you love another person, another thing even, more than you love God, that person, that thing then becomes your God because you can define God very simply by this. The person or the thing I love most in my life is my God. So Jesus makes it simple, and he says to us, I want you to remain in my love. And then he says, and here's how you do that. He, doesn't leave us, he didn't leave them hanging. Okay, how do we do that, Jesus? How do we remain in your love? What's the secret? What's the key? You're going to be gone. You just told us you're going to your father's house. How do we keep staying in this love that you're teaching us and you've shown us? Here's how you stay in my love. Here's how you remain, he said. It's very simple. What did he say? Obey my commandments. Obey my commandments. Jesus said, just make it your priority to do what I've taught you above all else. Obey my commandments. That really shows that you really love me. In fact, he said this, our obedience to him, get this now, is what qualifies us as his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. You're my friends, he said, if you obey me. That's what qualifies us to be his friends. Now, who wouldn't want to be Jesus' friend? You know, you think about it for a second. If there's anybody in this world, I joke with people, and especially people who are outside the context of the church, who are friends of mine in the community, and a lot of times they're glad to see me around because they think as long as Rick is here, God's not going to allow anything bad to happen to us, you know? Good thing you walked in the door. I'm sure the firefighters, the night that I stayed during Hurricane Earl, I spent the night at the fire station. Some of them, I'm sure, were kind of saying, this is really good. Rick is here. Buildings could fall on me. You know, I can get in car crashes, you know, all the rest of it, just like anybody else. But you know what? Who is it that you would rather have to, as your friend than Jesus? That, you know, the, the great old song, what a friend we have in Jesus. I mean, what, what compares to that? You're my friend if you do what I say, he told us. But if we, when we willingly live in disobedience to his commands, that means what? I am not his friend. Can't be his friend at that point in time in my life. Oh, he continues to love us, but when I choose to willfully sin, the friendship, the fellowship is broken and needs repair. So, this morning, you and I can respond in one of two ways to Jesus. We can obey or we can disobey. Those are our two choices. We might say, oh, you know, I have a third choice. I can just ignore Jesus, what he has to say. Well, really, what is ignorance or ignoring but just passive disobedience? It's not obedience, so it must be disobedience. And what's the result of being obedient to Jesus' command? What did he say in that scripture? Here's the deal. If you obey me, if you do what I say, he said, you will be so full of joy in your life that it overflows, that you can't contain it all. It will spill out, not only over you, but it will spill out on your family. It will spill out on your friends. It will overflow from your heart and your life. He promised that to us in that scripture. So here's something I've discovered. 
about my own life and about the lives of other Christians. Being a pastor for all these years and being a, a, a Christ follower for 40 some years in my own life, here's something I've discovered. This hurts a little bit, but this is painfully true. And so I speak the truth to you in love this morning. Here's what I've discovered. When we're miserable, it's because we're being disobedient to Christ in some area of our lives. When we're miserable, some of you this morning, you came in, as soon as you hit the parking lot, you put your Jesus church smile on, but deep down inside your heart, you're not a happy camper. There's some things going on in your life, and you are miserable. When I am miserable, when you as a Christian are miserable, it is because of one thing. There is an area in my life that maybe nobody else knows about but me, but there's an area in my life where I am being disobedient to God. Could be in how I treat my, 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 my relationships, my, my family, my, the, the person I'm married to, uh, my best friends. It could be how I'm being lazy at work. Could be I'm skimming something off at work. I'm taking things I'm stealing. Could be a lot of things. That, it could be the things I'm watching and looking at on the computer. It could be lots of things going on. It could be my finances. There is an area in my life where I'm being disobedient to Christ. It's plain and simple. You don't need a shrink to figure that out. Why am I miserable? There's an area of disobedience in my life. Because Jesus said, if I'm obedient to him, I'm doing what? I'm overflowing with joy. And right now, I'm not a happy camper. So I need to look at my life and say, what is it? And maybe it's, you know, I, I'm glad for, a, for, a, for Steve sharing that about the forgiveness thing. Because for some of us, that's what's going on in our lives. We are withholding forgiveness from somebody. And, we're, and that Steve said, I would have carried that with me for the rest of my life. You don't need to shrink. You don't need Dr. Laura or Dr. Phil or Dr. O, Dr. Oprah to help you figure that out. You just need this, Christian. You need to be obedient to Jesus. Christian counseling is pretty much that simple. You know what Christian counseling is? This is why I love to, I love to counsel. <laughs> you know why Christian counseling is so simple? Because Christian counseling is just listening to what the deal is and then saying, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to stop being disobedient. That's why nobody comes to see me as a counselor, you know. I just say, here's what's wrong in your life. Now do what's right. That's it's that simple. You feel convicted there, Seth, as I got right in your face? And I kind of like standing down here. I might walk down the aisles and grab some people or something here. And that holds true for every single area of life, your home life, your work life, your church life, your married life, your single life, your student life, doesn't matter what your life is. If you are miserable this morning, do a self-evaluation of your obedience to Christ. In fact, in just a few moments, Pastor Steve's going to lead us in an opportunity to do that. We've chosen today, this Sunday morning, first Sunday in December, as we celebrate what we've learned about loving God and what God's teaching us and what's happening in our lives and learned about loving others, we've chosen today to celebrate with the greatest picture we have of that love. And the greatest picture we have is the sacrifice that God's son Jesus did on the cross for us. And he said, we just read it, that giving your life for your friends is the greatest act of love anyone can ever do. But then he didn't just say it, he did it. The very next day. Because of that sacrifice, we can be forgiven of our sins. 
We're not forgiven of our sins, by the way, by participating in communion. No one's sins will be forgiven because they drank a little juice and ate a little piece of bread today. This points us back to the cross, and that's where we need to go for our forgiveness of our sin, where our sins are forgiven by believing what Jesus did for me and by accepting God's gift of eternal life because Jesus paid for my sins. So after this next song, I want you to, as this song is being sung, be doing that self-evaluation. After the song, Pastor Steve Wise is coming to lead us as we remember this greatest act of love. And, and as that happens, as we're singing, as he's coming, let's begin to prepare our hearts by asking ourselves that question. Is there an area in my life where I am not living in obedience to Jesus? And then I want you to listen to Steve. He explains why we follow this command of Jesus to remember him in this way. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.